In this episode, Dr. Cashew talks about the psychobiology of sugar and provides insights into how to resolve your relationship with food and eating. The good doctor plays devil's advocate, discussing how chronic diseases such as the betus, heart disease, cancer, and other metabolic derangements associated with excess body fat have additional collateral or alternative causes than fat, sugar, and salt as policymakers and diet centrists have shoved down our throats. Instead, devil's advocate part, he argues the physiology before, during, and after eating matters more than the food itself. But I guess that also puts some responsibility on us. Ew. Roll the intro! Hello, hello, and welcome to... <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. This lesson and series of lessons... Hmm? It's about enjoying practically everything you eat. Every day. Even sugar. Even every meal. Looking at, really, the psychobiology of sugar so that you can resolve your relationship with food and eating. This means you can spend your precious resources on other stuff. Like looking better. And getting better. Using your body and mind the way you'd prefer to use them. If you care to use your body and mind the way you prefer to use them, anyway. So here's what you're learning. Here's what you're learning. Axiomatic drivel. That's fancy language for stupid one-liners. <laughs> One-size-fits-all rules and worse. Little slogans like sugar is bad and you are what you eat, which essentially mean the same thing, harm you more than help you. Sorry, you merit more than that axiomatic drivel. All right. And a quick synopsis of some physiology behind TKN's you-centered approach. Okay, how we incorporate all those things and what that means for uh, your relationship with food. Getting into that. Relationships. <laughs> so throw it on a hashtag better. About that one ahead of time. Throw it on a hashtag better. If you think it makes more sense to do more than just feel better for a short time, but to actually get better. And therefore get a better body and mind, for real. Like, get better instead of feeling better. Actually get better, right? So quick review of diet centrism here. Diet, in this case sugar, you think of diet, in this case sugar, uh, is the indubitable, indubitable, the indubitable cause of most all the bad stuff in the first world, right? Therefore, diet, in this case sugar, or rather the sugar abstinence, which is impossible by the way, is the indubitable cure for most of that bad stuff in the first world. Good luck with that. The human body is a complex combination of overlapping and communicating biological systems. This means that diet, or rather the impact of the diet on the person depends on the status of the person's biology at the time. A hundred people could eat the same thing and get a hundred different responses. One person could eat the same thing a hundred times and get a hundred different responses. Quite a few things dictate that status. Too many things to justify one-size-fits-all diet recommendations and that axiomatic drivel, right? Oh, a quick review of diet centrism and that blood stuff that you learned about a few lessons ago, and chronic diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and other metabolic derangements associated with excess body fat 
right? Eating sugar causes your blood sugar to rise. Eating fat causes your blood fat to rise. Eating salt causes your blood pressure to rise. And policymakers and other people subscribing to diet centrism have sent, oh, they wrongfully deduced, okay? They logically, they logically, but wrongfully deduced that since rises in blood sugar, fat, and pressure are correlated with heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and other metabolic derangements associated with excess body fat, that therefore eating fat, eating sugar, and eating salt are the indubitable causes of these medical conditions. And this is wrong. It is wrong. This is because your body needs nutrients 24 hours per day. And you only eat nutrients a few minutes per day. Therefore, the body has cool biochemistry stuff that it can do and does to make sure the nutrients you eat over a few minutes last for hours between meals and longer. <laughs> Therefore, the increases in blood stuff, in blood sugar, blood fat, and blood pressure associated with food, they are good. They are good. You need them to live. Problems arise when these increases in blood values go up and then stay up. That. That. There, there can be some issues associated with that, though. So in that vein, many people would ask, why is food doing this to my body? What does food do to my body? You know, indeed, asking that question is, is what perpetuates the problem. Thankfully, philosophies learned can be and are philosophies replaced. For it is mainly the liver and the muscles bringing those blood values back down to so-called normal levels. So if the muscles and the liver and their corresponding sidekicks are up on stage and they forget their lines, hmm? well, then strictly speaking, strictly speaking, the food you eat or your diet, as it were, has a trivial impact on whether you get sick and fat. And what matters more is what your body does to the food you eat. Way different than what food does to your body. It's about what your body does to the food. Big, big difference. And to that end, 100 people can eat the same thing and get 100 different responses. This is why diet maxims, axiomatic drivel, like sugar is bad and clean eating and you are what you eat are self-defeating approaches. So instead of what does, what does food do to my body, think what is my body doing to food? Because although it is more technically correct, which is fun in its own right, it does put you in the position to influence what your body is doing rather than trying to influence what food is doing to you. Hopefully that makes sense. You can influence what your body is doing. Have a hard time influencing what food is doing to you <laughs> or what other people, you know, right? Having that sort of external influence is way different than having that internal influence. But why bother with this seemingly inane semantic differentiation other than what I just listed, right? If you can influence how your body does things, uh, have a harder time influencing other people and things <laughs> directly, right? So thinking caps on, why bother with this semantically inane, with this, this seemingly inane semantic differentiation? Well, people tend to sabotage themselves by saying stuff and trying to mean it, right? I say it and I mean it. Uh, when they could instead succeed because they mean something and then say it. People tend to sabotage themselves by saying stuff and trying to mean it. Really taking it serious this time. I really mean it when they could instead succeed because they mean something and then say it. Okay, in context here, food, food, in this case, sugar, right? Food, your diet, food is a dormant and passive object until one, essentially, your body metabolizes that food 
changing that food from the physical stuff that it is into the chemical energy it becomes, right? You know, to keep you a card-carrying member of the not-dying fan club. And two, the mind absurdly gives it human traits. So the original premise here is that food is a dormant and passive object until one, the body metabolizes that food, thus turning it into chemical energy. And two, the food is a dormant and passive object until the mind absurdly gives it human traits, such as morals. Sugar is bad. Sugar is evil. The mind will give food human traits such as intelligence. Pumpkin spice lattes are stupid. The mind absurdly gives human traits like motives to food. I stay away from pizza because if I go near it, then it makes me fat. Or chocolate is seductive, right? Food has motives. The human mind gives food emotions. Don't neglect your vegetables. Why? Because they must be feeling the satisfaction of your care and must be feeling the sadness of your conspicuous avoidance. They feel neglected. <laughs> the mind gives food influence as evidenced by the infamous Twinkie defense in the murder of Harvey Milk in the 70s. Twinkies made me murder somebody. It controlled my mind. Did it ever occur that these sorts of absurdities are what prompts people to legitimately delude themselves into thinking they have what is now commonly referred to as a relationship with food? How the mind giving food, morals, intelligence, motives, emotions, influence, and any umpteenth other human characteristics. Why that sort of absurdity would prompt people to legitimately delude themselves into thinking they have now what is commonly referred to as a relationship with food. Where do you think such absurdities as cheating on a diet comes from? <laughs> well, for one, if you think you can cheat on a diet, then you will cheat on a diet. How do I know this? Well, if I can't cheat on my diet, that means I must eat perfectly, and eating perfectly in every circumstance at all times is impossible. Therefore, you've doomed yourself to being a cheater. <laughs> Other than that syllogism, which is a fancy egghead word for a thinky thingy, I can cheat on my diet, therefore means I betray my relationship with food. Why bother taking the relationship seriously at all? So if you can't cheat, you indubitably will because eating perfectly is impossible. And if you're allowed to cheat, well, then why bother having the relationship? See how this gets sticky? Wait a second. Relationship with food? A romantic relationship with food? Well, if you can cheat on it, isn't it? Even worse, isn't cheating on something... Cheating, cheating on your diet, cheating on it with something as seductive as sugar? Ah, see? Isn't cheating on your diet with something as seductive as sugar even reinforcing that sort of betrayal of a romantic relationship even more? Isn't the relationship with food romanticized? <laughs> see how this language sets people up to make themselves crazy before they even start? It's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> it's quite interesting. This cheating is the translation of a stigmatized term that quite overtly implies adultery. The valuation of human worth. You're a cheater, a worthless, crappy, garbage cheater. The breaking of a moral code. Betraying the trust of a relationship. And it leads to many of the same outcomes of when it happens in a human relationship that's been betrayed, been betrayed that way, right? Anxiety, depression, guilt, embarrassment. 
impulsive and self-destructive behaviors, right? Interesting. Why? Because just like it would be with a trusted partner, the relationship with food is now damaged. This relationship, right? Give something enough human characteristics and you may just fall in love with it or in hate with it. Then from that fabricated relationship, you can then logically fabricate power struggles that indubitably create victims. Hmm. And to that end, perpetuating the self-defeating distortions that food does things to them and makes them do things, continuously prompting people to make themselves powerless under its fabricated intent to either make them happy or more likely use their now learned helplessness to victimize themselves under food's obvious intent to make them in fat and miserable in that crappy relationship. <laughs> it's a very one-sided relationship, right? <laughs> it's a sandwich! It's a sandwich! It's a sandwich! <laughs> this is what a relationship with food does to people. I can't cheat on my diet. I must, look per I, I must eat perfectly. I want to look better and feel better, so I must have a good relationship with food. But my diet is horrible. I can't stand it. So I cheated on my diet. And now I'm a cheater. That means as a cheater, my relationship with food is now damaged. And that means as a cheater, my relationship with myself is now damaged. That makes my body look uglier and feel even worse. And this is awful. And now since I keep looking worse and feeling terrible and I keep failing because I keep damaging my relationship with food and myself, that means I'm a failure. I'm horrible. I'm ugly and getting uglier. And I'm a cheater. And I'm a cheating turd burglar. And I'm doomed to turd burgling for all eternity. Damn this relationship with food. My relationship with food is horrible. And it makes me do these things. Similar outcomes to the betrayal of a serious human relationship, right? Except this is a sandwich. You can save yourself all that misery by taking a rational and constructive approach. I ate more than I planned this meal. That's an annoying mistake. But I can eat what I plan on eating next meal. That's better. That's it. That's it. Dr. Cashy promises that's it. That's it. <laughs> Do you think it's possible then by addressing this fabricated and self-defeating relationship that a person opens themselves up to having a more rational outlook and constructive outcomes with food and eating? What is food doing to me? How does food affect me? Well, what is my mind and body doing to food? What is my mind doing to the food? What is my body doing to the food? Instead of what is the food doing to me? Does that make sense? What is my mind doing to this food? What is my body doing to this food? Which person results in a more self-determined, rational, and constructive outlook on food and eating? Which person do you think will get you closer to where they want to be? Also, interestingly enough, which person do you think is in a better position to influence what their body does with the food they eat? Which is something that is, that is influenceable. To use food to foster and improve their relationships with other humans. <laughs> Rather than using humans to try and foster and improve their relationship with food. Right? Think about that. People use people to do that all the time. Right? Or enjoy food and eating more, or more to the point of enjoying it, 
without feeling guilty. They're constantly eating and feeling horrible after eating and they, they, they end up feeling bad for liking things and it just becomes a big fat mess. Literally and figuratively a big fat mess. <laughs> Who's in a better position to use their body the way they want to use it? Who's in a better position to change the way their body looks and feels? Hmm? Sharpen your mind and chisel your body. Sharpen your mind to chisel your body. And for Pete's sake, use your relationship energy on the people that matter to you. <laughs> instead of with sandwiches, please. A rationally constructive eater is a happier, more satisfied eater and person. One size fits all is bogus, you are you. Hmm? So here's what you've learned. One size fits all rules and worse little slogans like sugar is bad and you are what you eat, harm you more than help you. Sorry, you merit more than that axiomatic drivel. Hmm? And a quicker view of some physiology behind TKN's you-centered approach and what it means about your uh, relationship with food. It's a sandwich. Save your relationship energy for the people you care about, huh? Did this resonate with you? Do you think you can do more than just feel better but actually get better by thinking straighter? Throw down a hashtag better. Throw down a hashtag better if you think it makes sense to do more than feel better for a short time but to actually get better, huh? Stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out! <laughs>